Good morning, City Light. How are we doing? Good morning, good morning. Merry, Merry Christmas. Uh, excited for what we continue to study uh, this morning and as we continue to look into the story and the plan of God as to what he is doing in the world. If you're new here, please fill out a connect card. We would love to help you get plugged in so that you can take the next step in your spiritual journey, wherever that may be. You can fill it out now and give it to us in the back on your way out. Also, last night, I just want to say thanks to everyone who put on and participated in team night where we celebrate our servant leaders. It was a great night together, uh, an awesome time to be blessed, to be encouraged. Uh, I hope that, that maybe some of you might feel some FOMO. Right? You get involved, start serving. Uh, we would love for you to get plugged in. So uh, if you was like, man, I'd love to be a part of a team or get plugged in and start serving here, uh, we would love to help you do that. So if you find anyone who looks like they're doing something, you can talk to them and they'll surely be able to point you in the right direction. I uh, just want to say thank you again to all of you who make what we do here possible uh, by your faithful commitment to what God is doing, your generosity with your time, your talents, and your treasures. A reminder, this Saturday is the Christmas store where we're going to bless our city and those particular families in need uh, with presents for their children. And we're also going to obviously be sharing the gospel and the love of Jesus. And so if you're able continually to go on to Amazon to check out the wish list and send a gift here so that we can give it on Saturday, if you're able to come serve, there's signups in the lobby. It's going to be a great time for us to bless our community this year. I want you to be praying because this week uh, we call it our blessing bonanza, okay? So uh, we basically go around the city and we bless organizations and families that are in need. And so uh, the staff and some of the interns and we've all, we have some plans this week and a lot of fun things we're going to go do to serve our city. Uh, you'll see a video about it so you can get uh, in the know on what it is. But I just want you to be praying ahead of time that the Lord really uses it uh, to honor his name to bless our city. Uh, and so we're excited about that. That's going on this week. In light of that as well, uh, next week we'll be presenting some very clear things in terms of December giving. Uh, and so many times in December, many of you will go above and beyond what you normally do, or you feel called by the Lord, or it's the right season uh, to be able to step into a place like that. And we have some very special things for you to be able to give to and bless, uh, things that the Lord is doing both locally and globally, uh, that if we can come around together and rally some funds for, we'd really be able to see something amazing happen. So just to plug that in your ear, to keep you ready, uh, and next week we're going to be able to dive into what that looks like specifically uh, for, for us as a church to be able to bless our city and our world. And so today, uh, we're going to be in Ruth chapter 3. <laughs> Good job, Ryan. Thank you for leading the way on that. Uh, we're going to be in Ruth chapter 3. We're excited to be in the Word of God. Uh, if you want to go ahead and open there, uh, please do so. We are continuing our series uh, in Ruth. Uh, our series from bitter to better about how to understand God's plan to bring Jesus into the world and how does God's plan to bring Jesus into the world affect the way that you understand what God is doing in your life now. It's very helpful for us to see how does God work and how could that begin to apply to my life. Uh, today's message is called uh, basically the last phrase of this chapter, wait and see how it turns out. What we're going to see today is two primary like, columns in living beside the will of God. What does it look like to be a Christian and to follow the Lord? Uh, for those of you who aren't Christians yet or who are discerning and looking into this, we're so glad that you're here. I hope you see today not only what Jesus has done for you, which we want to make super clear, but what does it look like to live for God and under God's leadership? 
Uh, the two columns are proactive engagement and patient endurance as necessary aspects to understand and live out God's plans. So I'm putting these two phrases together to create one phrase for you called proactive patience. If you want to think through what are we talking about today, what can I write down in my notebook, what, what's a phrase that I can use to think through what God is teaching in this chapter, it's going to be proactive patience. In a culture marked by hurry, marked by immediate gratification, marked by hustle and bustle, the people of God are actually marked by patience. In a culture marked with immediate gratification, the people of God are marked by delayed gratification. In a culture marked by hurry, the people of God are marked by rest. In a culture marked with anxiety, the people of God are marked by confident trust and assurance. This is what the Lord wants to reveal to us this morning and offer you into. I kept thinking about how uh, in any situation in life, if anything's buffering, right, we lose our ever-loving mind, you know? If it's buffering for two seconds, we're like, what is wrong with this thing? You know, there's uh, on my little Amazon fire that we use on my TV at home. Uh, sometimes, I don't know if you guys have the fire, it, it'll kind of freeze up and it goes slow. It's weird, but you have to press the button and wait like three seconds before it actually moves right. You know, it's like, it's a strange thing. But what'll happen is, with my kids especially, they'll press the button it won't move right immediately, and so they'll start hitting the button over and over again. You know, this is what you do. Uh, we've all done this, but you know that that just makes matters worse. If it's already frozen, you hitting all the buttons is just going to make it more frozen, right? This is not actually helping. You are hurting the cause, you know? So when something's buffering and you're on your computer hitting all the keys, you're actually making the buffering worse, okay? I don't know if this is news to some of you, but just FYI, uh, it's not helping, okay? Unless you're a tech wizard and you know what buttons to hit, uh, maybe you, but the rest of us normal people, they'll be on the couch like hitting over, 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 and I'm like, you just made it completely worse. Now I got to restart everything, okay? This is going to take 10 minutes more. If you had just waited two seconds, it would have turned right, and you could have picked your show, okay? But it just froze up for a second. Uh, I want us to have that picture in mind when we think about what does it look like to wait on the Lord and how our instincts are, for if things are not working out correctly or right away or right like we must, right, right, right like we want them right away, uh, we begin to hit all the buttons of our life. We begin to take way too much control, try to manipulate our circumstances. We get frantic and anxious and hurry around trying to resolve the situation. And what I want you to see, though, is how much waiting is actually the work that God is asking you to do. And how much you are possibly going backwards by taking matters into your own hands. If you would just let it buffer for a little bit, God would reveal what's coming next. I want to encourage many of you this morning in terms of waiting. I also want to encourage many of you in terms of working, that God is calling you to engage in his plan and his will for your life. So today the phrase for us that we're going to be working through to help you understand is this. When it is out of your hands, it is still in his hands. I hope to encourage you with this truth this morning from the book of Ruth, that when it is out of your hands, which, little secret, is all the time, okay? It's never in your hands, actually. But when it is out of your hands, it is still in his hands. And the trick is that often his hand is hidden. And so I must learn to operate by faith. So Ruth chapter 3 is going to help us with that. Let's look at it. We're going to take it chunk by chunk, basically, like we've been doing, try to sort through the whole passage, even though it's a lot of scripture. 
Verse one, then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash therefore and anoint yourself. Put on your cloak. Go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man till he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. Stop there for a minute, especially maybe for some of you who are just joining us today. Uh, Just a reminder of where we're at in the story. So Naomi and her family uh, are Israelites who have left Bethlehem for Moab in the midst of a famine. That's chapter one. Her husband dies right away. Her two sons marry, but they also die. Eventually, the famine ceases in Bethlehem, back in the land of Judah, and Naomi returns home. Ruth decides to go with her. The other daughter-in-law, Orpah, decides to stay. They end up back in the land of Bethlehem, but now she's a widow, and they don't have any job, and they have no way to make any money. So in chapter 2, Ruth takes it upon herself to go into the field and begin to glean leftovers, which is the way people in poverty were able to survive many times in the land. She goes to the field. I love how chapter 2 says she happens to go to the field of Boaz. And by happens, it means God sovereignly sent her to the field of Boaz. And she happened, Boaz happens to be there and to take notice of her. And so she returns with lots of food, and she had a favorable response from the owner of this field named Boaz. And so now she goes to the field. She's just trying to survive, okay? She's not trying to figure out God's plan for her life. She's like, how can I eat today? Okay, it's very simple. She goes to the field to try to get some food. The Lord responds by favorably blessing her, this connection with Boaz. So then she goes back, and this is where she talks to Naomi, her mother-in-law, about what to do next. This is kind of the setup of what we're doing. Now, I wanted to make a quick point from chapter 2. This is so beautiful because when she goes to the field, she's going just to survive. She's gleaning to take what's left over so she can manage her day. And God uses her proactive step just to manage her day to orchestrate his big plan for her life. So it may be for us, you might be going to the field today or tomorrow just to manage and survive. You might be taking the next step that you know how to take even though you have no idea what really to do next. All the while, the hidden hand of God is working in what you think is insignificant. You're gleaning, but the Lord is putting some meaning on your gleaning. I want you to see that today. The Lord is putting some meaning on your gleaning. You're just showing up to work trying to provide for your family, and you feel like what you're doing, though, is insignificant, and the Lord has some meaning on your gleaning. You may be going to a job you don't like. You may be trying to sort out your life. You may be taking the next step. It's significant for you to wake up and get out of bed and go somewhere. It's significant for you to take the next step. And the lie comes to say, well, you don't know what's next. You don't know what's going on. You are working in an insignificant way. And I want you to know from the life of Ruth and in your life as well that you may be in the field just trying to survive the day, but God's in the field too working things out. There's meaning in your gleaning tomorrow. There's meaning in your gleaning today. There's meaning in the things that you think might be insignificant and that you're not sure how they're going to work out. So God is going to use this field, this field of her survival, to change her life, to change her future, and to bring the Messiah, Savior, into the world to change the future of the world. That's what happens when she goes to glean. 
I also want you to notice, this is something I learned this week. I thought it was really amazing. So Naomi's instructions now are basically to go woo Boaz, okay? She's like, you met Boaz? He's a single guy, okay? There's a lot going on here. He's in the line of Elimelech, which means he's able to kind of take on the ownership of repairing what has been broken through Elimelech's death and kind of raising up people in his name. And Ruth is a part of this now because she's connected to Naomi. So Boaz is a very significant figure in light of all that's going on in Ruth and Naomi's life. And so Naomi hears this news, and she says to Ruth, hey, go ahead, uh, wash your face, okay? Put some nice uh, perfume on, anoint yourself, Okay, change your clothes and go. And here's the directions I'm going to give you. Basically, in an attempt, right, to kind of uh, make herself known to Boaz as someone uh, that he might want to pursue for a variety of reasons. Now, uh, I read this week about this connection. This is why I love studying the Bible, okay? From 2 Samuel 12, verse 20, okay? This is when David, uh, his little boy had died because of his own sin, And so now David's grieving has been grieving this, the loss of his baby. And the grieving process goes with the same instructions. So he washes, he anoints himself, he changes his clothes. But these are the three things that enable David to move on and to move forward in his life. And so David's grieving a loss 2 Samuel 12, 20, you write that down, you can look at it later. He's grieving a loss. His process is to wash, anoint, change clothes, okay, move forward. I have to continue to move forward with my life. And then Naomi looks at Ruth, who is still dressing like a widow because she lost her husband. She's moved away from her homeland, and she's living in a foreign place. There is so much loss, and she's dressed appropriately for this loss. And Naomi looks at Ruth, and she basically says, wash, anoint, change your clothes. It is time to move on. It is time to move on. And she says, basically, make yourself available again. And this might be a word to some of you single people that have just lost a relationship, okay? It very well might be. But it's definitely a word to all of us to say the Lord is still working in your life. And some of you are paralyzed by what you have lost. And you need today to know that God is still active. And you need to turn back to him and say, I'm available. I cannot stay stuck in what I have lost. But by the grace of God, I must move forward to what I still have to gain. That's the word of the Lord for many of you this morning. Wash, anoint, change your clothes. It is time to move forward. Make yourself available again for what God wants to do in your life. Make yourself available again for the people in your life who are still there and love you and care for you and need you. Make yourself available again for the future that God has for you. Stop staying stuck in what you have lost in the past. Here's our phrase for that, that you go from bitter to better by accepting what you have lost and moving forward to what you can gain. Accepting what you have lost. This doesn't mean it feels better. This doesn't mean that you're forgetting about it and just moving on. Like if you lost somebody important, it doesn't mean that. You're not moving on. You're just moving forward. You must accept what you have lost. And now you must, by the grace of God, take a next step to move forward. 
because it doesn't help you. I'm telling you like a little bit of a counselor this morning, okay? This has helped me as I've navigated a few months of struggle. It doesn't help you to stay in that place, to just think about what you have lost and to be totally upset about that every day is going to cause you to be bitter. But if by faith you are able to accept what you have lost in the past, set your eyes on Jesus and his love for you, Wash, anoint, change your clothes, make yourself available again, and by the grace and power of God, it's time to move forward. It's time to move forward. What Naomi said to Ruth, God is saying to many of you today, you may have lost something great, and it is very painful, and that pain isn't necessarily just going to disappear, but by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, it is time to move forward. Make yourself available again for what God wants to do in your life. So verse 6, so she went down to the threshing floor, and she did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. So now she's following these instructions from her mother-in-law, how to win a man, you know, part one. <laughs> and when Boaz had eaten and drunk, uh, he was, his heart was merry. He went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain, and she came softly, and she uncovered his feet, and she lay down. And so... Basically, when a man works in the field at this particular time, when he's harvesting his crops, he stays out there uh, in the winnowing place, as they say, instead of going back home to make sure the job is finished because thieves could come steal what he has, uh, what he has gained from his field. Uh, animals could come eat it. So to finish the job, he has to stay on site. And so she comes in the middle of the night, uh, and she kind of sneaks up there. She came softly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. At midnight... The man was startled, okay? So he goes to sleep alone, and he wakes up, and there's a woman at his feet. And so this is a startling uh, time. At midnight, the man was startled. He turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, an appropriate question, who are you? <laughs> he didn't. I would add, and why are you here? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant, who you just met yesterday. <laughs> Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. This basically is a proposal, okay? She's saying, marry me, take care of me. That's pretty bold. Verse 10, he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, and that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman, and now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I am. Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So Boaz in this situation responds favorably to her, to this gesture. He receives it appropriately. Uh, one of the things they'll say in commentaries is this is a mark of Boaz's integrity, that he did not take this as a sexual offer, but he took it as it should have been taken, which is a mark of who he is and what his heart is and where he is at with the Lord, which I thought was very insightful. And so now he receives it as it should be. I began to think about this in a sense that when something's presented to our way, but our minds aren't pure before the Lord, we don't receive what comes to us as we're supposed to. You see what I'm saying? Ruth comes, and she's a blessing. But if he treats her like a prostitute, he reverses the blessing. The reason why he acted appropriately in that moment is not because he saw it coming. It's because he was a man of integrity. So even if she was a prostitute, he would, he would have said no. 
You see what I'm saying? And so now, because of the purity of his heart, he is able to receive what God is doing in his life appropriately and then move forward with it. And how many of us cannot receive what God is doing or what comes our way simply because we are not ready to interpret it and to receive it appropriately? Sometimes the hold and the sticking point on your life is the fact that you are not right with God. And the Lord is calling you back into a place of integrity, repentance, and holiness. Not that you would pursue perfection and be perfect now. Jesus makes you perfect through his death and resurrection. But that you would care about loving and following and be obedient to the Lord. And that you would be a person of integrity. There's something about being a person of integrity that makes you available for the work of the Lord in and through your life. Not that you'd be perfect and not that you won't mess up, but that your heart is genuine before him. I think this is an interesting side note here. So he responds favorably as a man of integrity. He interprets the situation correctly uh, in terms of her offer. But here's what happens at the end. This is like the end of a TV show that hangs you, gets you. It's like cliffhanger, okay? He's like, yes, okay, I'll do it. But there's somebody that has rights before me. And if that person will take you, then let them do it. She's like, oh, no, you know, like, no, 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 This is not, I, I came to talk to you, okay? I don't even know who that guy is. I don't want to talk to him. I came to talk to you. And Boaz, once again, being a man of integrity, even though he obviously wants to receive this offer and begin to marry Ruth, because he is a man of integrity, he takes the right steps. And he says, I'm going to do this the right way, which the Lord begins to bless. So I want us to pause here for a second, and I want us to consider how living in the will of God requires both being proactive and patient. It requires proactive patience. You need both a gas and a brake pedal to live your everyday life with the Lord. You need to understand there are green lights and red lights. Some of you wish there were only green lights with the Lord, and if that was true, you'd end up driving off a cliff or something. The Lord has put red lights in for a reason. He has given brake pedals in for a reason. He has given a gas pedal so that we can move forward. What living in the will of God's going to require that we learn from the book of Ruth is both proactive engagement in the way of God and patient endurance for the will of God. So that's the first part now. Proactive engagement in the way of God. So the next section, we're going to see how patient she was. But first, before she exercises any patience, she puts it all on the line. And the thing that God is calling some of you to, to this morning is proactive engagement in the way of God. That the Lord has revealed at least how you ought to live your life. What principles you ought to live by. What situations are you surrounded by that the Lord has given you clarity on how you're supposed to engage the world around you. You may be confused about a lot of things, but you're not confused about everything. And so now you begin to say, I need to proactively engage in the way of God. I don't necessarily know how the will of God is going to work out, but I know the way of God and how I'm supposed to live my life. Ruth takes initiative. As a matter of fact, this whole book is, is, uh, is related to the fact that Ruth is taking initiative. She takes initiative to stay with Naomi, even though Orpah leaves. She takes initiative to go to glean from the field when they need food. She takes initiative to go follow the instructions to go uh, pursue Boaz. Ruth, every chapter and every step of the way is taking initiative. She ends up needing to wait, but she started with a lot of hard work. And she was proactively engaged in the way of God. And this situation that she goes in today is extremely risky, okay? 
She goes and she kind of puts herself before Boaz. Like I said before, that situation could have been misinterpreted and turned out to do more harm than good. Think about this. This is a woman proposing to a man, which back then was unheard of at all, okay? Not even ever happening. A younger person proposing to an older person, also just never happening. A field worker proposing to a field owner and a foreigner proposing to a native. This is just outlandish. What she is attempting to do is just the wildest, craziest, needs to be a reality TV show type of moment, okay? You can't even imagine how outside of the box this thinking was and the thing that she was willing to do. She took a risk to proactively engage in the way of God, to listen to someone wise in her life, and to go about following this through. And some of you this morning, the Lord is calling you to take that risk. He has put something in front of you that requires faith. He has put something in front of you that comes with risk. You don't know exactly how it's going to turn out. You don't know what it's going to look like, but you know what you ought to do. And you have been hesitant because you're afraid of what's going to come. And I want to call you this morning to proactive engagement in the way of God. You are sitting around trying to wait on God to work, and God is waiting on you to get started. Proactively engage in the way of God. I love how the Lord works because God doesn't just work around us. He works through us. And the blessing that Ruth gets to have of provision is intertwined with her proactive engagement in the world around her. Here's the phrase for us to understand how this works in our life. It's very simple. It's that we work in God's work. We work in God's work. Obviously, God is already working in Ruth's life, and he's sorting things out. He's the reason she ended up in Boaz's field. He's the reason that he responded favorably to her. He's the reason any of this is happening. But Ruth isn't sitting around passively wondering what she should do. She is taking steps. She is working. But the Christian understanding of this is that we work in God's work. It is never totally dependent upon my work, but God is calling me to participate in his plan. And some of you this morning have something to go do that the Lord is making clear for you to go do. And some of you this morning need to take a risky, faith-required step of faith that the Lord is calling you into, that he, he brought this message this morning to confirm and to say, yeah, go for it, go for it. So proactive engagement in the way of God. We work in God's work. So verse 14, so she does all this. She lay at his feet until the morning, but she arose before one could recognize another. He said, let it not be known that a woman came to the threshing floor, bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it out. She measured out six measures of barley. So he fills her up again with food. She goes into the city. When she comes to her mother-in-law, she said, how did you fare, my daughter? An, an appropriate question. That was a big plan. And then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, these six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said to me, you must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. And so the final kind of aspect of walking in the will of God is patient endurance for the will of God. So many of you are in the very position that this chapter leaves us off in today. So many of you are in the very night that the Ruth had to sleep through and to endure as she waited to see what would happen the next day. Wait and see how it turns out, the Lord says to you. Wait and see is your current status. But as you're waiting, you're nervous, frustrated, anxious, restless, 
You're very concerned because you're uncertain. That's filling you with a ton of pain, both emotional turmoil, maybe even physical. You're having trouble sleeping at night. You simply don't know how things are going to turn out, how the situation's going to get resolved, how that problem's going to be fixed. And therefore, in the middle of waiting to see how it turns out, you're having a great difficulty not pressing all the buttons on the remote and saying, oh, how can I fix this? Can I do this? Can I do that? Can I do that? Can I do this? Can I, how can I manage? How can I grab some control? What do I do? And what I want to encourage you in today is just like with my Amazon Fire, sometimes you hit the button and you have to wait a few seconds for it to turn right. So it is in our walk with God that sometimes you act in obedience and you are doing exactly what the Lord wants you to do. And you simply just have to wait for the arrow to turn right. You just have to wait for it to go from red to green. You just have to wait for the Lord to take the next step and to reveal to you what he is doing. Some of you are in a season where you just need to let it buffer and be at peace and at rest, knowing, as we said in the beginning, that when it is out of your hands, it is fully in his hands. Proactive endurance for the will of God. So she makes all these plans. Okay, she plans, what, she, she schemes, they plan, she puts in the effort, they get the job done, they do what everything they can do, but they have hit a ceiling because now there is nothing else Ruth can do. She has done everything she can do. And she is at this point now helpless. And there's nothing else that she can do. She has maxed out her relational capital. She has maxed out her social influence. She has maxed out her plan. She has maxed out what she knows to do. Naomi has maxed out what she knows to do. All their cards are on the table, and they have nothing else to do except wait. And some of you may be feeling that same way this morning, that you have maxed out what you know to do. You have maxed out your intelligence. You have maxed out your resources. You have maxed out your ability to plan ahead. You have maxed out your energy. And now you're in a season where you have done everything that you can do. And the Lord is calling you to simply wait and to trust him. And I want you to see from this chapter and from the book of Ruth how reliable and faithful God is. Because Boaz is going to give us a small picture. He will be a shadow of who Christ is when he comes. Because now the situation is in Boaz's hands. And here's what happens. Ruth can rest because Boaz will not rest until the matter is resolved. That's what he said. Ruth's resting is not in her ability to do anything else. Ruth's resting is in trusting the fact that Boaz will not rest until he resolves it. Why can Ruth wait? Because Boaz is working. And at this point, Boaz can do what Ruth cannot do. He is, a matter of fact, the only person in the entire land of Israel that can accomplish the very thing that needs to be accomplished the right way. Only Boaz can resolve this situation. It is out of her hands, but it is still in his hands. And how much more so is that true of you and me and our relationship with God? We wait because he works. We're not waiting for him to work. That's your mistake. We wait now because he is actively working. Jesus said in John 5, 18, and my father is working, so I am working. Always. We wait because he works. We can rest because God doesn't need to rest. 
We can rest because God doesn't need to take a break. We can rest because God's not confused by your dilemma. We can rest because God has the solution already figured out for your situation. We can rest because God is actively working all things together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We can rest. Psalm 127 says that God loves to give his people rest. You can rest, not because it's going to work out like you think. You can rest, not because you have a plan. You can rest, not because you see how the situation is going to unfold. You can rest, not because it won't include any pain. You can rest because when it is out of your hands, it is fully in his hands, the hands of your Redeemer. I want you to learn this morning to be confident and to have courage as you wait. I pray the Lord blesses you asleep as you wait. I pray the Lord gives you peace in your anxiety as you wait. These are the things God wants to do supernaturally in your heart. This is the big picture now as we consider Christmas. And remember, as they are waiting back then, God is working out his plan, not just to provide for Ruth, but to provide for the whole world by bringing a Savior, Jesus. So Boaz is like a little L redeemer, a small redeemer, a little picture of a redeemer of what capital R redeemer Jesus is going to be. God was working not just to provide for Ruth, but to provide for the whole world. He was bringing to pass not just his plans for Ruth's life, but his plans for the whole world. This is what Jesus is doing while she's gleaning in the field. This is what Jesus is doing while she's waiting at Boaz's feet. This is what Jesus is doing while she's sleeping, waiting to see what happens the next day. This is what Jesus is doing while we're going to see tomorrow, while Boaz is orchestrating this and negotiating a deal. Jesus is actively orchestrating his plan to save the world while Ruth takes one step after the other. And so it is for you in your life. Why would you be any different than that if you are in the people of God, as a family of God, as a child of God, that the Lord is orchestrating his plan for the entire world through the details of each of our lives? And that makes what you are doing significant. It makes your struggles and your sorrows significant. So Boaz was a little L redeemer, but Jesus is the capital L redeemer. Boaz was just one of the potential redeemers for Ruth. He has to talk to someone else. But Jesus is the only redeemer for all of mankind. There are no other options. Boaz used his reason to overcome the obstacle, as we'll see tomorrow. But Jesus used the cross to overcome our sin. Boaz redeemed Ruth from earthly disaster. But Jesus redeems Ruth from eternal disaster. Boaz covered Ruth from the dangers of hunger. But Jesus covers us from the dangers of the wrath of God. Boaz bought the land and the Ruth with money, but Jesus bought his people with his own blood. What Boaz did in part, Jesus did in full. He is our capital R Redeemer. This is who Jesus is for you today. And I'm pleading with you, if you are here or watching online and you have yet to put your life in the hands of Jesus, please, please, please stop trusting in your own hands. You're just hitting that remote and you're destroying your life. Things are going backwards when you want them to move forwards. You need to put your trust in the Lord, in Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection for your sins. You need redemption and Jesus is your only option. So please turn to him today. Trust him today. Believe on him today. And for those of you who call yourselves followers of Jesus, be encouraged this morning that when it is out of your hands, it is still in his hands. The hands of your redeemer, the hands of your savior, the hands of your father, the hands of your friend, the hands of your helper. Let me pray for us. Let's respond to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we love you. 
We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your kindness to us. We thank you for saving us from sin. And we thank you for providing for us even when we don't see it. We thank you, Lord, that even though your hand might sometimes be hidden, it is actively working on our behalf. I pray that you would supernaturally give your people confidence that you would allow us to proactively engage in your way and to patiently endure for your will. I pray that in a culture marked with hurry, that your people would be marked by confident assurance to wait and to rest. Lord, relieve some of our anxieties this morning in your presence. Lord, relieve some of our fears by your word this morning. Lord, relieve the burden of trying to uphold and manipulate and control our situation. And give us the release of rest today. And enable your people to wait and to have confidence and assurance that their life, our life, is fully in your hands. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand? Let's respond to the Lord.